Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Well, let me start off with telling a little story about the, uh, it was, I think it was the first, maybe second year of marriage um, to my lovely wife, Poo Caroline. Um, we were uh, having a good day and I just remember one day I had this like crazy thought. I was like, I think I want to learn how to fly a plane. What do you think? She's like, yeah, sure, go do it, right? No, she was like, no, you idiot. You're going like, to crash and burn. I was like, well, I just really want to fly a plane. And we had a buddy that had a couple planes. She's like, okay, like, go do it. And so uh, I called him up, and I was like, hey, I would like to fly a plane. He's like, go. Yeah, sure, go. I'll, I'll have an instructor meet you. You can start the whole process of becoming uh, certified for it. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I, I was all in it. All right, I was ready for it. I met him out there, and he showed me everything about the plane. We walked around the plane. He showed me the wings. He showed me he would kick the tires. He checked the oil. He checks everything on this little four-seater, like, airplane, and um, I was like, I was like, I was excited about it, right? We get in the plane, he's like throwing these headphones, and um, here's a navigation system. All this is like really crazy to me. I don't understand it. It's over my head. And he's like, okay, let's, let's start the plane. So here's how you start the plane. And, and he told me how to start the plane. I started the plane. And he goes, I want you to taxi us out to the runway. And I was like, okay. And before he can another say another word, like I let go of uh, the brakes and and I and I start going. Well, what do I do? Well, I turn right because that's what you're supposed to do. Well, airplanes in the air, you turn like this. But when the when they are on the ground, you don't turn like this with your hands. You use your feet. And I did not know this. And we're about literally six feet from a plane that is parked. And he's like, left foot, left foot. And finally I turned and, and we missed the plane. I was like, I was about to crash before I even like got into the air. And so he's already a little nervous, skeptical with me. And I'm a little nervous. I'm starting to get like the brow sweat and ready to go to the strip. And he's like, okay, I want you to now take off and fly this plane. And I was like, hold up. Wait, wait. Like I'm just here to like, like watch you do this. He's like, hey, if you're here, like... It's, it's on you. And I was like, oh, goodness. And so he's like, I want you to turn this up to this speed. And I want you, once we get to the certain knots, I want you to pull back. And you got to stay in the middle of, 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 the, of the strip here. And I was like, okay. And so when I tell you, like, A, I want to blame it on the wind, right? Like, the wind messed me up. But um, my goodness, trying to stay straight on that runway with just your feet, like, steering I looked like one of those stunt planes that, like, they act like the drunk guy runs out there and steals the plane, and, like, he's, like, doing, I swear I got that plane up on one wheel a couple times, and, and I'm all over the runway, and finally he's, like, pull up, pull up, pull up, and so I pulled up, and we're getting into the air, and I'm a nervous wreck. Like, I'm, I mean, it is not fun, all right? I'm a nervous wreck, but he's like, hey, just chill out. We're all good. Here's all the controls. This is what you need to focus on. You got to stay level. We're in, we're in Arkansas. He's like, look, where's your house at? And I was like, it's over there. And, and I'm, I'm like nervous gripping. He's like, okay, let's go look at the college. So we fly around the college. He's like, oh, there's the football field. Fly around the football field so we can take a picture I turned a little too sharp, and his, his hands left his side and grabbed, like, the, you know, the, the extra controls, and he pulled us back. He's like, let's don't do that because that will make us wreck and die, all right? 
And I, I mean, it was, I was nervous the whole time. And then he's like, now it's for the fun part. Let's land. And I was like, oh my goodness. And this, he gives me the process of, of how to land, and this is how you're supposed to break it down and, and keep it at this horizon. And um, what, I, what was really cool, though, is while we were landing, I could actually feel his feet start kind of taking over, and I could feel him helping me guide towards the landing, and we landed, and, and I'm not going to... Um, it was, it was terrifying, and I might have hugged my wife just a little tighter that night, and I was like, I'm never flying again. I'm leaving it for the professionals. Like, I'm, I'm done with it, and uh, it was a scary moment. So if you want to fly, okay, good luck, but I do have a question for you, is how well could I have flown that plane if I never would have listened to the instructor? How well would I have flown that plane if I never listened to what the instructor was telling me. First off, I would have crashed the plane before I even got off the air. But even if I would have some by, by some miraculous way, gotten to the air, how well could I have actually flown the plane if I never listened to the instructor? See, that's how I feel when it comes to many of us when we're navigating relationships, is that we try to fly into these relationships without ever listening to the instructor or his instructions. And we try to do relationships the way that we think that we should do them, and, and we, the way that we do them, and the way that we think we should do them, and we have never listened to the instructor, and many of us have crashed and burned. Anybody with me? Anybody crash and burn in some relationships? Okay, none of you. Awesome. Okay, I guess I'm not preaching to anybody tonight. Amen. There you go. Thank you. So to me, when, it, when I feel it comes to the second biggest decision of our life, I really do. I think this is, this is one of two to three biggest decisions of our life is who am I going to try to spend the rest of my life with? How many of us, whether we are in a relationship or not, how many of us are not ready to fly yet? And we can't fly right because we either have the wrong instructor or we're listening to the wrong instructor in our life to lead and to guide and to direct us. And, and you know, over the years, I have preached over relationships and, and uh, what to do with relationships and how to be in relationships. I have talked over this subject a whole lot in my life because I know it's a big deal. Like, I know it's a big deal in your life. Relationships and dating, like, how often, be honest, let's be, I know, let's loosen up a little bit. How many of y'all think about dating or relationships every day? Raise your hand. Be honest. Okay, that's great. How many of you are single right now? Okay. How many of you don't want to be single anymore? Okay, awesome. <laughs> Fellas, look around. <laughs> be a man about it. Protect your heart, guys. <laughs> Can I just cut to the chase tonight? Is that okay with y'all? Like, I don't want to have a fluffy sermon, all right? I, I want to preach the truth, all right? Are we ready to take off in relationships? Are we ready to be in a relationship? And are the person that we are trying to evaluate, is that person ready to be in a relationship as well? 
And within the verses tonight, I believe that Jesus is speaking through his brother Jude about how Christians are supposed to persevere in this world. And Jude is doing, and what Jude is doing in this context of, of this verse is he's actually giving a blueprint on how we as a person of Jesus should operate in this struggling world. But I also believe if he also gives a blueprint on how the person that we are trying to evaluate that we want to spend the rest of our life with or not, it also gives that same blueprint on how they should operate in this world, and if either one of them is not following this blueprint, then that would mean that they are not in agreement with the instructor, Jesus Christ, and therefore they are not ready to take off in a relationship. So God has led me to Jude, the letter of Jude, verse 17, and it says this, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. What I love about blueprints is clarity is key. Like they're so clear if you get a build a blueprint on how to build something. There's no question on what to cut this angle at, how long this should be, because everything is drawn out clear and precise and exactly measured the right way. And if you build it the way that the blueprints are meant to build it, then it will be the best possible way. It will be the strongest way that the engineer designed it to be. And what Jude is saying here, is that in the last days, there are going to be people who cause division in this world. And division means, in this context of what he's trying to show, is that they are tearing the unity of God's church. God's church, if we learn especially in Ephesians, is that, is that the desires for unification of God's church the people of God are supposed to be walking in oneness towards the glorification of God and for the building up of God's church. And and what Jude is saying is in these last days, people are going to come and cause division. They're not going to build anything up. They are going to tear it apart. But then he lists how they're going to do it. They are going to scoff And then they're going to follow ungodly passions. And he says when they scoff and when they follow ungodly passions, they are not operating in the what? The Spirit. They are devoid of it is what it says. And devoid means is that they are empty of it. They are empty of the Spirit. So when they scoff, Meaning when they make fun of, and I like how one interpretation said it, they either make fun of or they make light of the subject. Of the one subject that we should all know and have very strong feelings about is that the power and the love of Jesus is prominent. If they make fun of it, if they scoff it, or they make light of it, they don't make it a big deal, then they are scoffing then they're not operating in the Spirit. But also when they follow ungodly passions. 
then they are also not operating in the Spirit. They are empty of it. And here he is very clear. When they are empty of the Spirit, they're full of the world. That is that is black and white as you can make it. That is clear cut as you can say it. If you're not walking in the Spirit, you are walking in the world and they will be considered worldly people. And when I think of this text, and I use this text to be a lens of the subject that we are talking today about. Are we ready to take off? Are we ready to start a relationship? Is the person that we're evaluating right now ready to take a relationship stance? And we're looking at this. He gives us some warning signs. And I think in this takeoff like circumstance, I think it shows that there's some engine failure. And when there's engine failure in a plane, it's, it's critical because it'll cause us to crash. And the engine failure that he is trying to show is that when a follower of Jesus is when we are operating not in the Spirit of God, and this is the indicator that you aren't ready for a relationship or the person that you're evaluating is ready for a relationship because they are empty of the Spirit. So if I could just break that down. Maybe let the scope of this text maybe shine light on how can we look at this through dating. Like, I wondered, like, how, where do I see this happen? Where do, I, where do I see this scoffing happen? If I can, I hope, I hope the majority of us, if not all of us, I hope that we're not scoffers. I hope that we don't make fun of Jesus or make light of Jesus. I don't think that applies to many of us in this context. So I think a lot of us, we can stand, well, I'm not a person that scoffs. I'm not a person that makes light of Jesus or makes fun of Jesus. I don't do that. But what about the people you date? When a believer of Jesus dates a non-believer of Jesus, that's when I have seen this scenario happen over and over and over. And students, listen, I don't just say that flippantly. I say that because I have done ministry for 15 plus years, and, every, and I'm not exaggerating, every single semester that I preach a sermon on relationships, I cannot tell you how many times someone has come up to me and they're like, listen, like, like I've been dating this person for, for four years and I love them so much and they're good. Like, they're a good person, but man, I just, I just can't get them to, to follow Jesus. I can't get them excited about church. I just can't get them to read the Word of God. And like, I'm trying. Is there any advice that you have for me? Side note, nine times out of ten, it's a girl that is begging me for advice about a guy that they're dating and I, I have to tell them the hard truth. It's a hard truth, but it's a, it, it, it'll be good for their good. Is 
is that the Bible says that we shouldn't be unequally yoked and, and a believer shouldn't, shouldn't marry a non-believer. And if you're not supposed to marry a non-believer, then you, can't, you shouldn't be dating a, a non-believer because we don't date just to date. We date to evaluate if this is the person that God wants me to spend the rest of my life with. And, and I just want you to think about this, students. Like, seriously, hear my heart on this. They don't have the same convictions as you do. The Bible is not inerrant to them. It's not the word of God to them. It's not, it's not the truth. It's not the light. It's not the bread of life to them. It's not going to lead, guide, and direct them. They don't have the same convictions as you, so they're not going to think the same way you do. And hear me on this, from someone who has, done, who has done life with people on the other side of marriage, who they married someone that wasn't the person that they were supposed to marry, and there's someone who is not walking with God. Listen, think about the ramifications of marrying someone who is not totally sold out for Jesus, trying to help you raise your kids. Like, Hey, kids, hey, y'all don't need to go to church. That's your mom's religion, right? Like, you don't need to think about that. Your mom's just over-religing that thing. I don't need religioning. Is that a word? It is now. Write it down. Like, imagine trying to, something happens or something hard happens or someone passes away or, I mean, just imagine, like, trying to lean on somebody who's supposed to help you and, and be there for you and, and they can't tell you about, hey man, this is what Jesus has or this is what the Bible says. Like They can give you nothing, right? Because they don't think the way that you do. And here's the hard part. Here's the hard part for me. You ready for this? Out of the 15 plus years of, of doing ministry, and my wife can tell you this. And I've had conversations with these kids. And I said, listen, you, in all honesty, you need to break up with them. Not one of them have broke up with them. And what I've learned is that the only way for them to break up with them is that Jesus has to do a mighty work in them. And they need to realize that they want Jesus more than they want that person. And that's my beg for you right now is that you know for you to grow in God, you need to be surrounded by people, friends, but also your boyfriend or girlfriend. They need to be so in love with Jesus that they help push you closer to Jesus, and you can help push them closer to Jesus. But you care more about your love of Jesus than you do about your love with them. They might be good, they're just not good for you. Second thing that, can detour from this is someone who follows their own passions from a surface level. I'd love to hit this from a surface level. Man, I'd love to hit this, right? Like, I mean, I could talk about someone who's constantly choosing sin over the Savior, right? Someone who's choosing sin and don't, don't, don't align yourself with someone who's choosing sin and they're being like the world. And as I said in weeks past, like I could focus on like, don't look at someone's, uh, what they have said, but look at their actions because their actions are actually a reflection of their heart. And man, I could just grip it and rip it and say something about 
don't date someone who keeps on pushing the physical parameters. And all of you are like, whoa, like we're getting there, right? Like don't focus on someone who's pushing your physical parameters, right? And they keep on doing it and doing it, but you are what you allow. And the more you allow it, the more that they will take, and they will take you to a place where you don't even want to be. I could say that. And it might even be hitting you right now in a certain way. I I understand that because it's powerful. But on a deeper level, what if we take it beyond the surface level? Because that's what you already know, amen? You already know that. But on a deeper level, what if following their own passions is more than just sex or partying and drugs and the, the top three things that you've heard for a while? What if following their passions or you following your passions is doing life without a desire to pursue godly passions? I would say that this is the type of person who might not be bad, they might just not be living right. And I don't want us to judge this, the person that we're trying to evaluate. I want you to judge yourself right now is that these people, It says that these are the people that are following ungodly passions. What if that's the person who just doesn't follow godly passions? Like, they're not trying to strive and to grow and to be like Jesus. They are just surviving. They're not thriving in the name of God. What Jude is saying is this person is wrong for following their passion. And if you are following your passion, then you're not following Jesus. Let that sink in. You know, a couple years ago, I went to the beach with my family, and my, my, my two oldest sons, I'm not even exaggerating here, they could hunt for seashells all day. Sun up to sundown, they will have probably like 12 trash can fulls of, of seashells if I had to let them. Like, they're going to... They're gonna, clear out the ocean of seashells. That's how much these little hunter and finders find. And it's, it, was, it was very tiring for my father-in-law and I. Like every 30 minutes, we'd have to like high-five the other person in because like my back and knees, I feel like when I'm around him, I just get older. But, but we're just handing off. And plus, you know, like my dad bod can only take so much sunlight. I got to lather it up, right? If you can't lose it, tan it. Amen, anybody with me? All right. Getting a little toasty out there. My wife's like, okay, all right, got to put some on the baldy spot. All right, get it? Hey, it's going to happen to some of you. God be with you. When you can start making a joke out of it, it makes it a little better, all right? Where am I at my story? All right. Well, one evening, it was starting to, it, the, the sun was starting to go down, and I saw... Um, the lifeguard stand. I was like, well, that'd be a nice little change of pace. I saw that they had four-wheelers, and they were out there just chit-chatting. I was like, hey, fellas, let's go over to the lifeguard stand, and uh, let's talk to them and see what they got. And they're like, okay. And I was like, let's race. And so we race, and like any loving father, I let them in front of me, and I'm like, oh, y'all are so fast, right? And they're, you know, and then like any loving father, right before they win, like I zoom past them because I want to like smash their souls, like thinking that you can't beat me, right? 
I'm only doing that because, let's just be honest, it's only a matter of time, all right? They're definitely going to be me. But anyways, we got to play on the four-wheelers, and they got to show some of the surfboards. They're really awesome lifeguards. But I was like, hey, fellas, it's getting dark. Let's go ahead. And on our way back, I was like, it's about 100 yards to our chairs. Um, I get a phone call, and I said, hey, hey, boys, why don't you follow me? Took the phone call. It was a short phone call. I don't even know what it was about, but... Uh, as soon as I got off the phone call, I looked around, and I didn't, I didn't see my boys, but I did see them a little while back there, and I was just about to scream. Not scream, but I was about to say, hey, come on, hey, let's go, hurry up, let's go. I was just about to say that, but then I realized something. My oldest son was telling my middle son, he said, hey, River, the ground is lava, and the only safe ground is in daddy's footprints. And to seeing those two little boys, they were, they were jumping from daddy's footprints to daddy's footprints. And at that moment, it hit me. Like, A, just the gravity of being a dad, and, and I can talk on that to a later note. But, but the gravity of the situation, like, it was a God moment where I realized, like, how true is that? that the only safe place to be is in the Father's footsteps. And I don't know how else to explain what Jude was warning against here. Those who follow their own passions and make their own footprints, make their own paths, talk the way they want, live the way they want, do what they want, dress the way they want, do everything the way that they want. They are walking on unstable ground that will always end up away from Jesus. But those who follow the footsteps of Jesus, you realize that is the only safe ground on which you can walk is your Father's footsteps. And you make each choice, every choice of your life, and you try to align them with the steps that God has provided for you. And you don't want to void from His path. You don't want to tarry from left to right. And listen, students, let me just promise you, because I know a lot of y'all are still working on your footsteps with Jesus. The more that you start walking with Jesus and His ways, you start realizing that his passions start becoming your passions, and his ways start becoming your ways, and you don't want to even think about the otherworldly ways. You don't even want to think about those sinful ways anymore, because you are so content, and you are so happy, you are so energized in the fact that you are following the footsteps of Jesus. So Judah's saying, listen, don't be someone or be with someone who is without the Spirit. Don't be a scoffer and don't be with a scoffer. Don't be the person, don't be with the person who acts like the world and follows their own passions because each of those are going to lead you away from the Father. But what are the things that we are supposed to take off? What are the things that are going to allow us to take off and to be in a relationship? When is it okay for us to say, yes, okay, I got these things down, and yes, I can. I think I'm ready, and I think this person has passed the approval. I think it starts in verse 20 when he says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying 
in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads you to eternal life. And have mercy on those who have doubts. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. I, I think that he's highlighting a couple things that we need to evaluate today. Is First, he says, listen, I'm calling you to persevere. I'm calling you to be this type of person in this world. And for you to be this type of person in this world, this strong, solid rock in this world, first you need to build yourself up. You need to build yourself up in holy faith and praying is what he's saying here. And what Judah is saying to his readers is this coming age is getting hard and it would be easy to go astray. Anybody with me? How easy would it be for you to fall into temptation? How easy would it be to even fall into a lure of Christian mediocrity and complacency if you don't watch yourself? How easy would it be to be swept away by some nonsensical theology that sounds great, but it isn't truth? Or trapped in some worldly vice or a slave to some type of sin if you haven't built the foundation of faith only on the rock of our author and the protector of truth, Jesus Christ. He's saying you have to build your faith and I love reading the original Greek here because building yourself up to the original Greek is actually is explained in such a way that it's not just a single moment, one day you're not in, in, uh, built on this solid rock and the next day you are. No, it's a continuation. It's an everyday endeavor maturing in your faith. And maturing in your faith, it's this daily grind. It's a gradual growth that grows you deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's not a faith that has been at the same spiritual depth since eighth grade. And I think a good judge of your spiritual depth is essentially how well and how much do you communicate with God. Just be honest with yourself. Like how well and how much do you communicate with God? How awesome would that be for a first date question? Like a dude takes you, takes you to Starbucks and you sit down and you're like, thank you for my mocha chocolate, whatever it's called. I love it, sip, right? Hey, I want to know something. How well and how much do you communicate with God? Why not? Drop it, like, drop it right there. Put a little salt on it, right? Like, see what he does. See how much he squirms. I don't know. Just the rest of your life, guys, all right? I really do wish I had more time on, on, on opening up just the importance of prayer, and, and that's definitely something that I am praying more for uh, in the future, uh, but with the time that I have and what we are talking about today, uh, I essentially want to sum it up with this. If your prayer life isn't a giving experience, if it's not a life-giving experience for you or the person that you have caught eyes with, then you are not ready for a relationship. Because your prayer life, you're ready for this, 
It is the manner at which God communicates with you and you communicate with God. The end. Like your prayer life needs to be numero uno. Like living without prayer would be as if you were flying a plane and your headphones cut off and you couldn't hear the instructor. The way that spiritual maturity happens and the way you protect yourself from going away and doing the desires of the, this world is for you to be in communication with God and for God to be in communication with you. Where's your prayer life at? How many of us need to pray more? Let's be honest here. And here's what happens when you pray well and you pray a lot. I want you to feel this, students. Feel the gravity of this. Is, is when, you are, when you are praying with God and God is talking back with you and you are, you're developing the spiritual maturity of, of communicating with God, those doubts and the fears you have, they start kind of fading away. Those insecurities about certain things, they start crumbling. Your past starts becoming such a small and significant matter you don't even care about it anymore. Your future, it starts opening up and hope starts arising. Uh, clarity starts happening happening, you start seeing just a, a bright, a bright uh, light at the end of the tunnel. You are so excited about the future and your lack of faith is no more because you are communicating with God, the creator and sustainer of the universe. You lack faith, you need to pray. And listen, side note here, uh, if you want to evaluate how someone else is uh, how well they are and how much they are praying, have them pray over the food when they order food. If, if you really want to see how well they, they pray, why don't you have them pray over you in front of the dormitory and say, hey, why don't you just pray over the situation and uh, let's see where God takes this, right? And have them pray and then say, God, inside, God, help me discern if this person is, is just all, all, all talk or they actually do have a communication with you. And I want you to, to listen to how they pray. And how they pray, is it, is it as if they're talking to their father who they have been communicating with for a while and it's just a normal day conversation? Or they are praying in such a way that God is a distant being? Because the way they pray shows how much they talk to Jesus, amen? Everybody's like, gonna be afraid to take anybody on a date now. <laughs> Great, Brent, that's awesome. What does verse 21 say? Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that will lead to eternal life. That tells us point number two is that we're supposed to keep yourself in the love of God. What Jude wasn't saying was, to keep, your, keep God loving you. It's not, that's not what he was going to say. God's not going to walk away. If you are a child of the king, if you, have, if you have loved him and you have confessed that you are a sinner in need of a savior, God will always love you. And this is a real fact. No matter what you do, was going to make God love you any less. But no matter what you do, is going to make God love you any more. That is a perfect God. But what I believe he is saying is, is when you are walking with God, communicating with God, you know what he wants from the word, you know what he wants from you, you know where God's love abides and you know where God's love isn't. 
You know where God's love is, and you know where God's love isn't. And here's the truth so many of us do, and I fell fault to this many times when I was your age, is that there was this line, right? Like I knew where God's love was, but how many times did I step over just a little bit into sin? And then I would jump back into God's love. And then I would jump back over into sin. And I would jump back. And it was just, just this hopscotch game of walking this gray line kind of in God's love and kind of out of God's love. And here's the question you need to ask yourself. And here's the question that you need to ask your possible honey boo-boo is do you operate in the way that leans heavy on Jesus' forgiveness or do you operate in such a way where you thrive in God's greatness? Because if you're always skirting the line of sin or not, if you're riding on the fact that you know that your Father will forgive you because He is great, you are operating in the forgiveness side of God. But if you're operating in the greatness of God, you run from any doubt of this gray line is not a gray line because I want to be in the goodness of God. I know where his love is. I know his expectations for me. I know that I want to be here because God wants me to be here. I don't want there to be any blurring lines in my life. And when you live that type of life, when people see you, they know that you are a Christian who loves Jesus, who acts different, who, who walks different, who thinks different, because Jesus is the number one in your life. You want to be smack dab in the middle of his greatness because he is great. Like there's no question. When people know you, they know that you love Jesus. You go to church. You have solid friends. You know your Bible. You keep yourself in the love of God. So does the other person that you're evaluating. And when you operate this way, let me just, here's the clear-cut truth, and I think it's a good one. When you operate that way, some people won't even try to date you because they even know that you you won't settle for them. And they'll be intimidated by your walk with God because they have a lack of it. We gotta keep ourselves in the love of God, not skirt the line. And verse number, and point number three is in verse 22. And it says, have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire, and the others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. Essentially what Jude is is saying here is that there's some people groups that we need to show love to. Those who are doubting because they are falling under some uh, false uh, types of teaching, that's really what they're combating here in Jude. Or we we are... also in need of helping those who are lost, who are on their way to hell. And Jude is like, hey, listen, the end is near, and people are either walking aimlessly in this life or they were walking directly to the pits of hell, and we need to have this eagerness, Christian. We need to have this eagerness and a desire to share the love of Christ with them. Here's a a raise of hand question. How many of us in here We have friends that need to know Jesus. Raise your hand. 99% of the students raised their hands. How many of you, by a raise of hands, and you're honest with yourself, 
How many of you have sat down one-on-one with them and shared with them how much Jesus loves them and how much they need them? About, about 9%. I want to talk more about that in First John this semester But here's the angle of why this is important. And if we're looking at the lens of of, of dating and and evaluating and having this this eagerness to to love people to Jesus, you ready for this, students? Because if someone who is willing to see their friends struggle and be broken and, and, and walk really in their way to a pit of hell, and you are allowing this, and you know that they, how much they need Jesus, and they need to depend on Him, and be able to grow in Him, and He can come and save them. If you can allow your friend to do that, or the person you're evaluating is allowing their friend to do that and hurt and be broken and you know that they need Jesus, but you don't say anything about that. Will that be a person later on in life that will tell you how much you need Jesus and how much maybe a difficult situation happens and they can put their arm around you and say, hey, listen, Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. Here's some things that Jesus is showing me. If, you can't, if, you, if they can't be dependent on now when it's literally, I got friends that are walking in the hell and I need to tell them about Jesus. If they're not willing to tell their friends that need Jesus, how much are they gonna be able and willing to tell you how much you need Jesus in this difficult time 10 years from from now. And if someone can watch their friends toil and be hurting and depressed, lacking everything, and not tell them the antidote of their brokenness, which is only found in Jesus, what type of heart will be able to tell you when you've hit rock bottom how much you need Jesus in your time as well? Those who are walking with Jesus and know what he desires knows that he wants people who, who uh, can tell other people about Jesus. And when you have that type of relationship with Jesus, you can't see someone lost and broken and not tell them about Jesus. Now, am I calling you out a little bit? Do I think that you're ready to be in a relationship with somebody if you can't tell other people about Jesus? No, I don't. Because we are called to go therefore and make disciples, telling everybody in the name of the Father and the Son, everything about Jesus. That's priority. If you want to know what Jesus wants from your life, that was his last call to his disciples, is go and make disciples. Tell people about Jesus and grow them in Jesus. But if you're doing it, I think you are ready to be in a relationship I, I don't know where you're at in this dating relationship. I hope that we all can say that we have a, a passionate heart to, to do this. I hope that we all have a passionate heart in this. But students, I don't know where you're at in this relationship game. But I will say this. If we can look at Jude here. If you're not letting God um, or the Word of God lead you in your steps, then you should not date. But I promise you that if you are, 
God will change your life. But if you live in the Spirit and you build your faith and you keep yourself in the love of God and you have a burning passion to tell people about Jesus, I believe that you are ready to be in a relationship with someone. But also on the flip side, don't settle. Have a non-negotiable. That this is the type of person that I need to go, go for. Someone who's building themselves up in the Spirit. Someone who is going and telling people about Jesus. Who is keeping the love. Who is trying to show grace and mercy to people about Jesus. Have a non-negotiable in it. Be that for people.